Welcome to This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. One verse, one truth, one choice. Hello and welcome once again to This One Thing. I'm Carrie Kenyon Dern and I am so grateful to have you joining us today. We are back live after a couple weeks of playing some of our favorite reruns and my dear friend Crystal Wright is here with me today. Hi Crystal, how are you? I'm good. I've been looking forward to doing this again. So I miss studying scripture together. So I'm glad to be back. Absolutely. I agree. Tonight, we're going to be in Isaiah 25, specifically verse 9. And if it's okay with you, Crystal, I'm going to go ahead and read the verse. And then I'm going to lob it over to you. We're going to pull out some truth and make a choice together from this passage like we always do. Isaiah 25 verse 9 says this, In that day they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. I love this. This is a beautiful promise. It's a promise reflecting on the past, the current situation they find themselves in, and the hope for the future. And just real quickly, before I let you have a a chance to talk about the truth, Crystal, I just want to just share that the big overarching theme of this chapter, Isaiah 25, is one of remembering God's faithfulness. If you were to glance all the way back at verse 1, it says you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. And then the prophet Isaiah goes into this beautiful monologue of some of the things that God has done, how he's protected his people, how he has taken ruin and rubble and rebuilt it, and how anything that the people try to build that don't follow him, those that come against his people, it's all going to be as nothing. It's going to be as dust and all washed away, that everything is meaningless if if it's compared to the power and the presence of God. And so it's this picture of his might and his authority and everything that he's capable of. And it kind of culminates in this promise in verse nine. So it's like, pay attention to what God's done in the past so you can come into the confidence of the prophet Isaiah in verse nine. So Crystal, will you go first? What is the truth that you pull out of this verse? The truth that stood out to me was the fact that trusting in the Lord comes with incredible reward. We are going to see the fruit of trusting in the Lord. And that's because the Lord is completely faithful. Like you said, he is never not true to the promises that he makes. And so I kind of focused in on just that concept of trusting in the Lord and the fact that our trust is completely based in the reality of who God is and the works that he has accomplished. There's nothing about it that's man-centered. And I feel like that's a message I need to be reminded of. I feel like it's a message the church needs to be reminded of. The the world needs to hear that hope for the first time, that there's nothing human-centered to put our trust in that has the ability to save or to redeem us. And I feel like this verse just is highlighting that truth for us, that Yes, we get to put our trust, but we get to put our trust in this God who has proven his character and he's proven it by the works that he has done. And at the very beginning of verse nine, it says, in that day, they will say, this is our God. He has saved us. And so I was 
just thinking, okay, what do they mean by in that day? What is that day that he's talking about that we're going to be able to declare that our trust in God was worth it because he did show us his salvation and his and his rescue? And I just looked up a couple verses and there's a list of things that are going to happen in that day that we can, it's basically, this is the evidence of the fact that our trust was not put in God in vain. And the things that it talks about is in that day, we are going to see that God has prepared a feast for those who have trusted in him. We're going to see that he takes away, it calls it the shroud, but it's that idea of a veil that's over people that has blinded them from the truth. He's going to destroy that. It says he's going to swallow up death. It says that he's going to wipe away tears and that he is going to remove our shame. So we are going to have this day where we see that all of these things that we put our hope in that was going to be true is true and did come to fruition. And as I read that list, light bulbs go off in my head, maybe listeners as well, but that list that I just read, um, that's describing exactly what Jesus says that he accomplished for us. And that picture of a feast prepared is the marriage supper of the lamb. He literally tore the veil that separated us from God. He swallowed up death by his resurrection. He wipes away our tears and he removes our shame. And so there is this messianic aspect to this this verse as well that's, yes, this is who God is. And those of us that put our trust in him, we're not going to be disappointed. This is who he was in the Old Testament. This is what Jesus comes and fulfills for us. And so it is well worthwhile to take that risk Mm -hmm. to put our trust in, in our God because every word that he has ever said he has been faithful to make true in our lives and will make true in our lives in the future. Yeah, I really love that you talk so much about trust and pull that word out. And we're using the new international version this week. Um, If you look at different translations of this verse, you're going to see several words interchange. You're going to see trusted like we have here in the NIV. You're also going to see we have waited on him in some translations. Some translations say we have hoped in him, but whatever word is used, it's used twice. It's repeated. And what's interesting, Crystal, in the Hebrew about this word that we see trusted here in the NIV, it's actually the exact same word in the Hebrew that the prophet Isaiah uses, and I'm using this just as an example. He uses it multiple places, but specifically in Isaiah 40, 31. That's a well-known verse. It's a verse we've already covered on this podcast. It says that when we wait on the Lord, we're going to renew our strength. We're going to rise up on wings like eagles. We're going to run and not grow weary. We're going to walk and not faint. So this word right here in this passage used twice, trusted, could also be wait. It could also be hope. And what the prophet Isaiah is showing us is these three things are interchangeable. You can't separate trusting God, trusting in the messianic promise of Jesus. He's coming. You can't separate waiting for your Messiah or waiting for God from trusting that he is who he says he is or finding your hope for the future in him. And I love this because I think that for us to say as daughters and sons of God that we trust him, we have to say, okay, if I really trust him, I will wait for him to act. I won't run ahead. I won't leg behind. I won't create my own pathway. And I'm going to find my hope in him and what he's going to do and what he's promised, not 
in what I can do or what I can manufacture or what I can create or whatever little bubble that I can try to manufacture to make my, myself feel safe. You know, what came to my mind as I was meditating on this today was actually, I was in church yesterday and our pastor just had this amazing sermon and he was challenging us because we're here in California. He was challenging us to really look at why so many Christians are fleeing California. Now, I want to preface this with obviously God calls some people to other states or other parts of the world. I'm not discounting that. But he was speaking specifically to Christians that are leaving because of the spiritual darkness here in California or the increasingly difficult political climate for us as Christians here in California. And he was challenging us to say, you know, this is a mission field. You don't leave the mission field because it's hard. And we have to know, hey, did God call me here to California? Am I supposed to be a missionary here in California? Is that why it's hard? Because God is using me? Or do I just want to leave, he's saying to the people that are thinking about it, because it's hard here. And I, and I don't want to make this about California. I think this is applicable for all of us, regardless of what state we live in. Isn't that just our human nature to want to leave when it gets hard or to find safety or to find shelter or to go somewhere new or end a relationship and start a new relationship? Because the new thing, the different thing, the other thing always seems so much better, so much easier. And that's not biblical. The biblical approach here is where we find God's people as this is being spoken over them by the prophet Isaiah. I mean, if you look at just verse 8, the verse before, you already alluded to it, Crystal. In verse 8, it says, He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away their tears from their faces, and he will remove his people's disgrace from all of the earth. The Lord has spoken. These are a people that have experienced tremendous hardship. They've experienced death. They've experienced sorrow and pain and loss and grief and disgrace and public humiliation. And God is saying, I am going to make it worth it. And if you trust me today, you will have hope for tomorrow. You will wait for me today because you remember what I've done for you in the past. And if you remember what I've done for you in the past, you're going to trust me today and have hope for me tomorrow. It's all very much connected. I can't say, God, I trust you today if I don't remember what he did yesterday. And if I don't truly have him at the center of my hope for tomorrow, because if it's not him, Crystal, it's something else. It's someone else. And that something or someone else is temporal. It's fleeting. It's going to disappoint. It's not going to last. And so we have to look at our circumstances and say, are my eyes on my difficult circumstances? Are my eyes on the hard thing, the hard job, the hard relationship, the hard financial situation? Or are my eyes on the God of Isaiah 25 verse 9? God, I trust you. I trust you and my eyes are not focused on how difficult my circumstances are right now. My eyes are focused on you. And I, and I share my sister Kim as, as an illustration a lot, but of course this verse also brings her to my mind. And for listeners that don't know, my sister Kim has ALS and she can only communicate with an eye gaze computer. She's completely paralyzed, but she spends all day, every day in her wheelchair breathing through a ventilator, using her eyes to encourage people with the truth of God's word. We call her the digital evangelist. (laughs) 
She can't move a muscle in her body. She needs 24-7 care. But what keeps her going is where her eyes are. Her eyes are focused on the prize. And she's a woman that says, God, I remember what you've done for me and my family in the past. My hope is well placed in you for the future. So God, I can trust you and I can wait on you today. That is the truth of this passage for me, that it has to be all three. I can't say, God, I trust you if I'm not willing to wait on you. And I can't say, God, I trust you if I'm finding my hope in anyone or anything else. So this is a very convicting passage. It's a very challenging passage. It's ripe with choices for us to make. So Crystal, what is a choice you pull out from this verse? Well, I can't really think about applying this verse without just reflecting on um, the week that I've walked through this past Mm -hmm. week. And there were some really incredible moments of seeing God work and move this last week at my job. Um, But there was really, really painful moments as well. And um, I sat with a mom this week who just lost her son. Mm. And so the reality of needing something to put your hope in that is way more powerful than anything this world has to offer can't be more real than those moments, right? And so when I think about the choice and the choice has to be, yes, here in this moment right now, we have to believe that God is going to continue to be faithful, that he's going to continue to care about the brokenhearted and the hurting and wiping away the tears and being our salvation here in this moment right now, because how are we going to get through this moment right now? This is beyond what any human being can bear apart from the mercy of God. So there's that truth to it, but there's also the reality that that alone is not enough because if this world is all there is, yeah. how can we get through these devastating moments that mm-hmm. um, are going to face all of us at some point in time? I just happened to sit with a mom that was facing her worst nightmare this week, but we have to have that hope that Jesus is coming back. And at the time that this verse was written, they were still looking for the Messiah to come the first time. We are in the age where we have already received the grace through Jesus and we're waiting for him to come back. And he promises us that. And he promises at the end that he has wiped away our tears, but he is going to once and for all wipe away our our tears. And there's going to be a final supper where we're all invited in to sit with him and there's going to be no more pain and no more suffering. And so I think in the moment to moment of life, we have to find a way to apply this promise in the present and look for his grace and his salvation in the present. But we also have to constantly be saying, but Jesus, you're coming back. You're coming back. And once and for all, you're going to take care of all of of the pain and all of the suffering, and you're going to restore all things. And I think it's as simple as reminding ourselves to choose to say that every day, because without that, this is all too much. You know, this is too much to bear apart from that hope. But we do have that hope. And God has not failed us yet. And so Jesus is coming back. And, and that's what I'm choosing to, to use um, to apply to my own life this week. Mm. Thank you, Crystal, for sharing that. And thank you for be will- being willing to do this podcast with me after a very emotional and exhausting week. It's proof positive that you find your strength, your comfort, and 
everything that you need in God's word. You didn't say to me, Carrie, I I can't record the podcast with you this week because I'm too exhausted, knowing that everything you need is found in being in God's word and sharing God's word. Thank you for that really powerful example to all of us of when we give away what God is giving to us, it actually energizes us and strengthens us. It doesn't take from us. I think for me, the choice is really hinged on the question, what do I need to hope for? What do I need to wait on God for? What do I need to trust God for this week? It's identifying my area of need. It's identifying that pain point. And that's why I love that our verse of the week has verse eight right before it, where God promises to wipe away all of our tears to overcome death forever, to remove all of our disgrace. He literally is offering us and promising us a divine do-over for all the brokenness in this world. He's going to make everything new. To fully embrace that resurrection power today, not just hope for it in the future, starts with me humbly recognizing that I have a need, that I have an area of lack where I am dependent on him And I say, God, I need you. I'm waiting on you in this area of my life. I need to trust you in this area of my life. I need to hope and put my hope in you, not on me in this area of my life. And in recognizing that I have an area of dependency, the choice for me, Crystal, is always to go back and remember what he's done in the past. And that's why I kind of started this podcast with that quick backstory of how this verse is set up. And I really encourage all of our listeners to read Isaiah 25 so they can see this for themselves. But the prophet Isaiah is giving a quick history lesson, just in case you all forgot. And and Isaiah is, is a really big fan of this. Remember, 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 remember the faithfulness of God in the past so that you can wait on him, hope in him, trust in him today. So I pray that we are men and women that humbly come to him and say, I can't get through today without you. My hope is in you. I'm trusting in you. I'm waiting on you. I'm remembering what you've done in the past. And when I do that, I can really say, God, I trust you with today because I know what you're capable of. And because I know what you're capable of, I'm not going to go ahead and take control and do things my own way or make things happen for myself. I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to let you do it. Because the promise here is when we trust in him, he saves us. When we wait on him, he saves us. When we hope in him, he saves us. The prophet Isaiah says, this is the Lord. We trusted him or we waited on him or we hope in him. And so because we're able to do those three things, therein we rejoice and we have gladness in our salvation. So like you're saying tonight, Crystal, even with tears streaming down your face, I still rejoice and I'm glad in my salvation because even though there is pain in this life, even though there's brokenness in this world, it's a fallen sinful place. Our hope and our joy is made complete because we're no longer waiting for the Messiah. He's already come. And his name is Jesus. And he's coming back for us. He is. And there is great joy and great celebration for us ahead. And so that is the choice. Where is our, where are our eyes? And who are we going to focus on? 
Are we going to focus on Jesus this week? Or are we going to focus on the hardship, the trouble, the suffering, and the pain? Are we going to choose to be glad and rejoice in our salvation? Or are we going to choose to look at all the pain and difficulty and believe the lie that we've been abandoned? So Crystal, I'd love for you to come back next week. In the next chapter, Isaiah chapter 26, there's a powerful verse found in verse 3. And I'd love to spend some time meditating on that and sharing a truth and a choice from that verse next week if you'd be willing to come back. Yes, let's do it. All right. Crystal, will you close us in prayer? Father, you are our God. And because you are perfectly faithful, perfectly holy, trustworthy in every way, Lord, we can say that you are worth putting our trust in. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you for the fact that even throughout the day when we struggle and we get our eyes off of you, or we get overwhelmed by life or fears, you are faithful to continue to come to us, to speak our names, and help us to put our eyes back on you. So grateful, Lord, that we have a hope that's so much bigger than anything that happens to us in this life. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for your victory over death, Lord. And we just ask that you would bless those that are listening, Father, that those that are are hearing your word, that they would be empowered to put their faith in you. Lord, that you would help them overcome any struggles that they're having in their life this week. And Lord, we do look forward to the day that you come back. We trust, Lord, that you are coming back for us. And we love you. Amen. Thank you for joining us for This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. Find all our episodes by clicking the podcast link located on our website at fetterfree.org.